No matter the team assembled or the task that they have, right in front of them, every team comes, sits down at a proverbial table, hashes a plan out, and then moves to work the plan. This week I was reading about the first team that Steve Jobs put together at Apple. Ten-member team. All had distinct roles. All had to be in for the task that was in front of them to come about. A couple of them questioned. A couple of them wondered, wanted to do this thing, create a new corporation, change the world of technology as it was in their spare time, keeping their job that they had already, being able to make ends meet for sure. And he called them to the table and said, can't have that. Either you're on the team or you're not. Either you're with me in this endeavor or you're not. Here is the task. Are you with me? I titled the message this morning, The Church in Need of the Church. The Church, you and myself. We are the church and we are in need of the church. If you have a copy of God's word, as we try to get on the same page as the team, as we try to understand and buy in to what is in front of us, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, the author of Hebrews is kind of turning that last corner, looking toward the finish line, looking toward home, and is laying out for his readers, and also for you and me, some 2,000 years out in the future from when he wrote this, an understanding of what the church is all about. I'm going to read for us verses 19 through 25 of Hebrews chapter 10. I'm actually going to read it twice, so hopefully it will sink in in me and it'll sink in in you. As I read it, both times, think about the church and you as an individual being a part of the church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, down through verse 25 in the ESV, reads as follows. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean 
from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Read it one more time for us. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word, Father, we we sit in this room as a body of believers, a part of, of the church. We gathered here as the church. We will scatter from here as individual members of the church, of your body, and as we are here, as we look at your word, Father, would you show us the importance, the need that is right in front of us of the church needing one another. Father, of those sitting four seats to our left or our right, those sitting four rows in front or behind us, we need each other in this journey called life. Father, may you speak this morning from your word. May may we hear. May we listen. May we comprehend what you are saying. Father, it's not rocket science. It's not not other work. It's not leisure. It is the king of all kings speaking to us from your word this morning. Would you speak and would we hear? God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to hear from you. In Christ's name, amen. The author of Hebrews, from chapter 1, verse 1, till the end of the book, is making one argument, and he is making it over and over and over and over again. And I know that you and I have jumped into the tail end of this letter, of this epistle, 
But you and I need to understand if we understand anything from this time together this morning. We need to understand that as the author of Hebrews wrote verse after verse, paragraph after paragraph, and now some ten chapters, his argument is this, Jesus is greater. He is greater than any other thing. He is greater than the Pharisees. He's greater than the law. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than any other thing. And because of that, to you brothers and sisters, he says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He Jesus opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since, verse 21 states, we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a number of things. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let us draw near with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Let us draw near with our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near. So this morning as we look at the church in need of the church, you and I need to understand first and foremost that the church is a confident bunch because of Jesus. We're a confident bunch. You and I, the the church, we are confident. The author of Hebrews is challenging us. He is encouraging us. He is reminding us that we are a confident bunch. Why? Because of everything that we've done. No. Because we are a privileged bunch. No. Because we have all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed and we've got everything figured out. No. We are a confident bunch because of him. Because of Christ. Because of what He has done for you and for me. You and I have confidence. Or you and I are to have confidence. This past week, how confident were you when you went into the workplace? How confident were you this past week when temptation came your way? Knees buckled a little. Eyes shifted some, mouth open, words came out. How confident were you this week when that temptation hit you? Since we have confidence. Do you see that? Not trying to spend all our time this morning in grammar class, but that is a past tense verb. You have it. You have confidence right now. It has been given to you. It's not something that you and I are working for. It's not something that's out there at the end of the stick like a carrot in front of a mule trying to get us to do more. No, you have it. As the church, you and I have that confidence. It has been given to us through everything that Jesus has done. You and I have confidence because of Jesus. Before we move on, look look at this that Jesus has done. There in verse number 19, it says, Since we have confidence 
to enter the holy places. By the blood of Jesus. The holy places is a reminder of to these Hebrews of what has passed. Go all the way back to Moses out in the wilderness. He is commanded by the Father to build a tabernacle. And that tabernacle has pretty much three segments to it. There is a court outside the tabernacle that is fenced off. Only certain people could come into that court. Inside the tabernacle itself, there were two sections. And there were, in the one section, the holy place, only a certain type of person could walk into that section. And then there was the Holy of Holies. And there was only one person on one day out of every year that could walk into that place at a certain time doing the proper thing or therefore whoever would try to get in there would be killed, zapped, dead. But because of Jesus... You and I have confidence to go into the holy places. Not just the court outside where only Israelites could go. Not just to the holy place proper inside the tabernacle or later the temple where all the Levite men could go. And not just into the holy of holies where the high priest could go on one day with a rope and a bell tied around him so that If he didn't move after quite some time, they would pull him out because he possibly was dead. No. You and I have confidence because of Jesus and the work that he did for us. We have confidence because of Jesus by his blood. The reason that you and I can come into the holy of holies is because of Jesus. The reason that you and I can enter boldly, as he states in chapter 10, verse 14, just a few verses before, is because of the blood of Jesus. Paul wrote it this way to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. He reminds Timothy, hey, Timothy, remember this. God gave you a spirit not of fear but of power. What kind of spirit did he give you? It wasn't a spirit of fear, but it was a spirit of power. It was a spirit that you and I can have confidence, not because of anything that we have done or that we ever will do, but because of what he has already done for you. Ma'am, sir, you and I have confidence because of the blood. Because he bled for us. Because he died for us. You and I have confidence. Those who have a Bible with paper, flip over one page. More than likely in your Bible. From chapter 10 to chapter 12. Those who have a screen, just scroll up or down, however you move it, to chapter 12. And in chapter 12, he begins this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are the witnesses? Well, you got to go back to chapter 11, and you start reading in chapter 11 all the different witnesses. There is Abel. 
There is Abram, there is Enoch, there is Moses, there is Noah, there is Isaac, there is Sarah. There are all these. He goes through 27, 27 times by faith this person did this or did that. Why? By faith. Because of the confidence that they had in this one Jesus. Therefore, since we are surrounded by these so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. We have confidence, remember? We have confidence and we are looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The church, in need of the church, you as an individual member of the church, in need of the body as a whole, the church... We're a confident bunch because of Jesus, but not only that, the church draws near with assurance of faith. I just read for us verse after verse in chapter 11 of different individuals that had faith. Just read for us in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, a reason for us to be able to come boldly is because of what Jesus did, laying aside looking for that joy and laying aside heaven for the moment, did all that he did on earth so that he might bring you and me with him back to heaven to rule and reign forever and ever. The church draws near with assurance of faith. What is assurance of faith? If you look at chapter 11, verse 1, you see that same word, assurance, The author of Hebrews states this, Now faith is the assurance of what? Of things hoped for. The conviction of things not yet seen. But the church draws near with assurance of faith. What is faith? Faith's the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not yet seen. Have you ever gone to the dictionary, and you have this word you don't know the definition of, but when you go to the dictionary and you look up said word to find the definition, the definition goes something like this, the act of being blank, which is the word that you're wanting, and it doesn't give you any help whatsoever. Sometimes I read chapter 11, verse 1, and I'm like, hey, author of Hebrews, what in the world are you talking about? I'm trying to figure out what faith is. And you're giving me these terms. It's the assurance of things hoped for. What's hoped for? It's the evidence or the conviction of things not yet seen. You know, Father, that didn't help me very much. Maybe you read a passage like that. Maybe you read that passage. And the preacher is up here standing up saying, hey, you have confidence because of Jesus. You draw near with assurance of faith. And you and I are trying to figure out what in the world is going on in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 11, because I don't get it. Back of the lines behind me. 
because there are things that I don't understand. There are things that you and I will never understand this side of heaven. There are things that you and I may never understand because when we get to the other side, it's not going to matter. Are you okay with that? You better be. The church, as a body, the church challenging us this morning as individuals of the body, the church draws near with the assurance of faith. What's the object of this assurance? For us to try to understand what he's talking about, you and I need to dissect a little more of what he is saying. The object of the assurance is faith, but you have to go a little further in the passage to figure out what this faith is in. Is faith in the chair that you're sitting in? Is faith in the meteorologist telling you what's going to happen today, if it's going to rain or if it's going to be windy or if it's going to be hot or cold? Is faith that he is speaking of right now in you? No, it's none of those. Faith, if you continue reading in chapter 10, verse 23 and 24, he is saying that faith, you and I can have assurance of faith because the faith that you and I are having assurance in is in Christ in all that he's done. What did he do? He loved you when you were an enemy against him. What did he do? He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is able to break the seal. I am the one who bled and died. I paid for you. I love you. And I demonstrated that love while you were an enemy against me. While your eyes were shifting away to a screen on a computer that you, sir or ma'am, should not be looking at. I loved you. While you were wandering away from me, slandering others, I loved you. While you were an enemy, I loved you. While you were a prodigal, look in Luke chapter 15, I loved you. While you were the prodigal son, the younger one, who went and tasted all the things that this world had to offer, I loved you. While you were the prodigal, the older, who was fuming at home because of, oh, he's the favored son. Oh, I stayed with you all these years, Dad. Why does he get the fatted calf? When did I ever get that? He loved you. Your assurance of faith is in him. While you were selfish and prideful and arrogant and snobbish and cruel and unloving, inside, And sometimes spewing on the outside, he loved us. And knowing how terrible you and I are, knowing how bad you and I have been, and without him we will be, He loves us. And the church draws near 
As the author of Hebrews states in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 20 through 23, with the assurance of this faith. So what do you do? Okay, Brian, it's one thing for us to know that. What do you, what do, you do? Yeah, Brian, I've heard that before. What, what do I do? I wrote this down. I don't think this is original to me. Maybe I used it three times and I'm trying to make it original to me. It's not original to me. But I wrote this down. First, let me tell you what hold fast means because it's right there. As he states in verse 23, let us hold fast this confession of our hope. Let us do it without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Hold fast. It means to continue to believe. It's stated or it's done with an implication of acting in accordance with such belief. Meaning this. That not only do you have it here, but you actually do something with it. And here's the statement that I wrote down. What you believe is not what you think, but what you act on. What you believe, sir, what you believe, ma'am, what what I believe is not what I think, but it's what I live out. So what do you believe? Let's dig a little. Aren't y'all glad y'all are here this morning? Do, Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Jesus is only one of three people. He's either who he says he is, he's a liar or a lunatic. That's that's it. If you want to put three L's down, he's either Lord, lunatic, or liar. That's him. Because he said he's Lord. Do you believe that he is who he says he is? He says to you, this Lord of all lords, he says to you, love your neighbor as yourself. Question, when's the last time you bought yourself a shirt? When's the last time you bought yourself a meal? When's the last time you paid your electric bill? When's the last time you did anything for yourself? When's the last time you bought your neighbor a shirt? When's the last time... You bought your neighbor a meal. When's the last time you did anything other than wave or nod or talk about the terribleness of your neighbor? Do do you love Jesus? 
Do you trust that God will provide for your needs? No show of hands. When's the last time that you went one month, one month, without placing something on your credit card that you will pay off in 14 years? Do you trust God will provide for your needs? When's the last time that you and I sacrificially gave back to him cheerfully? Not because a guy on the stage said so, but because you were pleased with him in supplying all of our needs. When's the last time when Jesus said to us, go make disciples? Who are you discipling? Who'd you disciple last year? Who do you plan to disciple in the future? Last one. I'll move on. Jesus stated, observe all that I commanded you. How are you doing with that? Jesus stated that if you're angry at someone, the preacher or anybody else, you are murdering them. Jesus said, if you are lusting after anyone, you are an adulterer. Jesus said, if you are slandering, if you are maligning, having malice spoken, you are like the Pharisees and you are whitewashed tombs, death on the inside. Sure, the outside looks great, all painted up, but inside there is death. church draws near with assurance of faith. Brian, I thought you were encouraging me today. I am. Because of all that, it's happened in you, it's happened in me. Because of all that, it may be at this very moment happening in us. You and I can draw near to him. You and I can draw near to him because of what he's done. Because of who he is, he is calling for you. He's calling for me. Come close, son, daughter. Come close. The church considers works to move forward. The reason I chose this passage is because of verse 24 and 25. Let me... Read those two verses for us one more time as we look at the church considering these works to be able to move forward. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the day, all the more as you see the day drawing near. In the translation that I read, day is capitalized. It's not just another day like today. It is the day of Christ. It is judgment day. It is the day that Jesus is going to split sheep and goats, wheat and tares, 
enter into rest, depart from me, I never knew you. That day, it's coming. And as it approaches, all the more as it approaches, and it's closer today than it was yesterday, it's closer tomorrow if we get there than it is today, it is the day that we will stand in front of him and nothing else matters. Let us consider how to stir up one another like a hornet's nest. No. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. To stir up, to spur, some translation states, to watch out and provoke. The CSB states, all are markers of a causative relation with the implication of stimulating a change in motivation or attitude to cause, to bring about encouragement for today. Love, unconditional, sacrificial. How are we, how are we loving unconditional those that we come in contact with? Students, how are you loving those around you at the schoolhouse? Brian, I'm just trying to make it through another day without failing a pop quiz or an exam. I get it. Been there, got that t-shirt. Adults, how are you loving those co-workers around you? I'm just trying not to get the boss mad at me. I get it, got that t-shirt too. For us as a church, as individuals, to be the church... There has to be some stirring up of love. There has to be some stirring up of good works. There has to be some encouragement. This is not a doom and gloom message. This is one of encouragement because there is hope. There is hope for where you are at this moment where there is stagnation, where there is just, yeah, I'm just drifting down the river. There is hope for a purpose to get on the team. To see the wind. Not just to see it, but to be a part of it, to bring it in. You and I are called sons and daughters of the great high king. You and I as sons and daughters have been adopted in. We have been loved when we were unlovable so that we might come along and say, Hey, I know you're hurting. Let me help you. I know you're stuck right now. Just here's... Here's an answer to you being stuck. Let me help you out. And I got this t-shirt too, okay? When somebody comes up to me and says, hey, Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Does this face look like I'm doing great? What's wrong? Nothing. Where can I help you? Got it. I've got that t-shirt in multiple colors, just like you do. So, how do we get out of that? 
Somewhere, church, somewhere, there is a motivator. There is some motivation. There is an encourager. There is some encouragement that is going to come across your plate that will stir you up to good works for Him. All said for this. All said for this. I don't know what it's going to take for you. The author of Hebrews didn't say, hey, you got to do 1, 2, and 3 in verse 26, 27, and 28. No, he shifts gears and he brings the boom. Okay? Here's the boom of 26. After he has said, hey, this is encouragement. Here's the boom of 26. He says, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge... After receiving this truth, there's no hope for you. If, if you see Jesus, you understand what he's done for you, and then you turn back and try to go after all those other things and stop believing, there's no hope for you because you've already seen the hope. But there is encouragement. And we sang about this encouragement all morning long. The encouragement is Him. When you're stuck, when you're slandering, when you have the terrible attitude, when you're doing the things that you know you're not supposed to be doing, when you're the prodigal and you're wandering away, whether it's physical or in your mind, oh, please remember, sir, ma'am, please remember. What he's done for you. I've stated this before. Until I find a better one, I'm going to use it. Jonathan Edwards, the greatest mind that this nation has ever produced. Not just religious, but greatest mind this nation has ever produced. Stating that from a cynical atheist who wrote a biography about him, not a Christian preacher. When he was 13 wrote down 97 statements that he was going to live his life on. Similar to Martin Luther nailing the 95 theses on the, dirt, on the door of the church in Germany, he wrote down his statements, one of them being this. Once I come back to my senses from sin, immediately I will repent. Once I come back to my senses from sin, meaning this, the only way that I would sin against Jesus is if I lost my mind. There was a momentary lapse in my sanity and I blew it as soon, as quick, as fast as I come back to my senses. I will immediately repent because of him. Some of us in this room, we have lost our sanity not for a moment, but for a month. Not for a month, but for a year. Not for a year, but maybe even longer, maybe shorter. Come back. 
me encourage you this morning. Come back. This week has been terrible. Come back. This month has been terrible. Come back. You don't know what he's taking. Come back. For you and I need to understand what he's given. Church, may I stir you up to love and good deeds this morning. Come back and taste afresh and anew this Jesus. Come back to that assurance of your faith that you lay down your rights when you bowed the knee and when you confess with your mouth that He is Lord and bask in all that He has given. For He loves you and has the very best for you. Father, may we see that today. May we rest there. May we live there. And Father, as we go about our days this week, as we go up and leave this place in just a few moments, as we leave, Lord, we know brothers and sisters who are hurting in this group right now who are hurting. May we come alongside them. May we love them. Sir, ma'am, the invitation this morning is, is easy. Maybe you're stuck. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Maybe you're not stuck this morning, but you know someone who is. Go tell them about Jesus. Maybe it's a sister. There has been some, some sandpaper between you. Go share the love of Jesus. Maybe it's a brother. He's just putting a cold shoulder out. Go love like Jesus. Maybe it's a neighbor. A boss, an employee, a son, a daughter, a mom, a dad. I, I don't know who it is in your life. But the church, you, sir, you, ma'am, the church as individuals, I, myself, I need the church as a whole. We need the church to encourage, to stir one another up. To love and to good works. Father, we're going to stand and we're going to sing, Lord. God, you know every individual's spot where they stand with you right now. Father, may their hearts, may our hearts, my heart be softened. God, I stand on your word. Your word states that it is your kindness that leads one to salvation. You have been so kind to us. You have been so kind to me. You have shown love and grace and mercy and faithfulness and forgiveness to me abundantly thousand times over. Father, as we stand and as we sing, would you move in our hearts?
And may what we sing be what we believe. I ask it in Christ's name. You stand and join us as we sing. The altar is open. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be more than happy to. You come and you respond.